from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Happy Monday and good morning, security gang. Welcome to another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast, Monday, November 13th, 2023. We're live on your favorite social media platforms like LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, now X, Twitch, Rumble, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you for everyone being here this morning. We've got a busy, busy show after a very busy weekend. So one, Veterans Day on Friday and Saturday. Obviously, monumental days for us here in this country as we thank those brave men and women who uh, uh, took time and years out of their lives to sacrifice defending the freedoms of our nation. So again, we say thank you to all of y'all. And uh, apparently cyber criminals didn't take the weekend off. In fact, just everything hit the fan. So we're going to get into that here in just a moment. But before we do, if you go to our Substack, jamesazar.substack.com, you can subscribe. Exclusive content is posted there all the time. If you become a contributor, which is only $99.99 a year, so just under $100, we send you this awesome travel espresso mug you can enjoy for all of your travel espresso needs. And what's not better? You know, on Saturday, I took, took my wife and, and my son out. And, you know, we, we drove somewhere out, out here in the, in the great state of Georgia. And I was able to take a warm espresso. I didn't have to stop and compromise at a horrible Starbucks espresso. Instead, I was able to enjoy my own espresso with this travel mug. You could do the same just by going to our Substack. Not only do you get awesome content, you get our espresso travel mug absolutely free. So go do that. Now join me for our coffee cup cheers, coffee cup cheers, y'all. Let's go ahead and get started with this morning's show because we've got a lot going on in the world of ransomwares. One DP World Australia's largest container terminal and supply chain operator has been hit by a cyber attack that has significant disruptions at several Australian ports, including Sydney, Melbourne, Fremantle, and Brisbane. It's shut down all land operations. Ships could still unload their containers, but the incident has prevented freight from leaving the port. The company can still access sensitive freight at the ports, for instance, if it's necessary due to medical emergency, according to Darren Goldie, Australia's National Cyber Security Coordinator. The Australian government is assisting the shipping giant in restoring operations. DP World's IT system remains disconnected from the internet, significantly impacting their operation in Brisbane, Brisbane, sorry, Sydney, Melbourne, and Fremantle. Um, DP World today advised Australian government that the time frame for interruptions is likely to continue, is likely to be a number of days rather than weeks. So it appears that this may be isolated to one or two systems that they're able to um, to, to bring back online. Uh, on the other hand, Kevin Bauman, who's a reputable, not only a reputable, a trusted researcher, has reported that it was in fact a ransomware attack and that they leveraged a recently disclosed Cetrix net scalar vulnerability dubbed Cetrix bleed, which has been widely exploited in attacks for initial access. It's worth pointing out that organizations may say a cyber attack is not a ransomware attack if it doesn't involve a vile encrypting malware. Several major ransomware operators now only steal valuable data from victims in order to convince them to pay a ransom, meaning they don't really encrypt the files anymore, uh, largely because they don't believe it's effective. So there's that. We'll stay in Asia, where China's largest bank, Industrial and Commercial Bank of China, ICBC, for those who in the financial services world, um, has been hit by a ransomware attack. A statement on its website on Friday said the ransomware attack this week disrupted some of its systems and that it had disconnected parts of the affected systems, 
to limit the impact of the attack. The company, which is based in New York, said it was investigating and had reported the problem to law enforcement. All treasury trades executed Wednesday and repo financing trades on Thursday were cleared, it said. It, 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 it said that ICBC's banking, email, and other systems were not affected, meaning they had their network segmented. The company gave no further details on the attack, um, but reports are, sh- are saying that Lockbit, the Russian-speaking ransomware syndicate, uh, was behind it. These guys don't target Soviet countries, but if they can go after the Chinese, they'd love to do so. So there's that. Um, criminals stole over $100 million from a cryptocurrency trading platform, Polynax, on Friday, taking off with millions worth of Bitcoin and Ethereum. The platform confirmed on social media that it's investigating the theft and that it plans to fully reimburse those who were affected by the hack. Polynax said it would pay 5% of what was stolen as a bounty to the hacker in exchange for the return of the funds. We kindly request your response within the next seven days to consider this offer before we involve law enforcement. Additionally, they're exploring opportunities for collaboration with other partners to facilitate the recovery of the funds. The controversial company was founded in 2014 before being acquired in 2018 by Circle, the crypto giant behind the US dollar pegged coin USDC. The company was known for its uh, laziest fair approach to customer controls and for allowing a wide variety of sometimes dubious coins to be traded on the platform. Circle uh, eventually sold the company 18 months later to Justin Sun, the controversial crypto entrepreneur, who moved the company to the Seashell Islands in an effort to avoid regulation. So they've gone hit by about $100 million in crypto. Uh, a lot of this, a lot of times, it will either be pointed to North Korea or Iran. Um, as they continue to try to finance it, especially given the current war, and we'll get to that here in a minute, uh, in, in Israel, between Israel and Hamas, it appears that a lot of Hamas's financing comes from crypto. And so it wouldn't be surprising, uh, given the fact that Hamas is standing on its last leg, at least in northern Gaza, um, as its chain of command has completely uh, evaporated, uh, thanks to the great work the IDF has done, that this would be something they would try to steal. Uh, although this seems too big for Hamas, it's it's likely North Korea there. A class action lawsuit has been filed against Intel over its handling of the speculative execution vulnerability found on its CPU, particularly the recent disclosed method named Downfall. The 112-page class action complaint was filed this week by plaintiffs represented by Bethany Dooney, uh, news of uh, news of a Bethany Dooney-led lawsuit against Intel over the Downfall vulnerability emerged in August. When the law firm announced that it was preparing to file a complaint, the plaintiff says the Intel CPU they have purchased are defective because they are either left vulnerable to let cyber attacks or they have significantly slower performance due to the vulnerability fixes made available by the chip giant. The complaint says Intel had known about the speculative execution vulnerabilities in its processor since 2018 when cybersecurity researchers disclosed the existence of the two attack methods named Meltdown and Spectre. These types of attacks typically allow an attacker who has access to targeted systems. So this class action is actually really, really interesting because here's what's going to happen now that this is filed. Discovery. (laughs) And for those that don't know Discovery, Discovery is significant, y'all. You find out a whole bunch of stuff in Discovery of a class action lawsuit. Like, did they know this was happening? And if they did know this was happening, did they ignore it saying it's not worth fixing? Or did they just say, we'll take the risk? Either way, this isn't good for Intel. This class action is going to lead to discovery. 
it's going to lead to depositions and we're going to get to the bottom line of, of 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 where security stands for a lot of these organizations especially with this critical vulnerabilities and especially now at this time period right you can look at this and say this is coming at a time where we're talking about s bombs software bill of materials and 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 and, and the software supply chain side of the house right what's going into my software what's the hardware that's going there this is going to be significant because this plays right into the White House National Cybersecurity Strategy. It plays right into the fact of, did you know security by design? Are you ignoring it? Are you taking a easy way out? So we'll see how this actually pans out. I'm really interested. We're now following this lawsuit. We've reached out to the law firm to try and get from them what they think is behind this uh, action. And so once we get some more information, we'll be reaching out to all of y'all and hopefully having them on the show to talk a little bit more about it. So there's that as well. Security researchers are tracking a new campaign from Imperial Kitten targeting transportation, logistics, and technology firms. This is coming after the Imperial Kitten is also known as Tortoise Shell or TA456. The threat actor is linked to Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, a branch of the Iranian Armed Forces and has been active since at least 2017, carrying out cyber attacks against organizations in various sectors. Recent attacks were discovered by researchers at CrowdStrike who made the attribution based on infrastructure overlaps with past campaigns, observed tactics, techniques, and procedures in the use of the IMAP loader malware and phishing lures. In a report published this week, researchers say that Imperial can launch phishing attacks in October using a job recruitment theme in emails carrying a malicious Microsoft Excel attachment when opening the document. The malicious macro code within extracts the two batch files that creates the persistence through registry modification and run a Python payload for reverse shell. They're primarily targeting Israeli uh, organizations here. So this is hasn't been something that has gone outside of there, but you want to pay attention to those TTPs and IOCs. Eventually, they'll make their way to us. And as we go into cyber warfare, there's a whole bunch going on between China, Russia, and what's happening in Israel, that it's really kind of building a cyber war con, a picture of a growing harm that tools that can wreak havoc on private organizations. The cyber war con, which is a top government and industry experts gathered to examine the complex multi-theater arenas, which known and emerging cyber attacks and digital threats are uh, arising amid unpredictable wartime conflicts. China's capacity for destructive threats looms large, uh, although China is best known for using its vast cyber skills to engage in IP theft and espionage, it's not comforting that a Chinese law passed in 2021 forces tech companies operating in the country to report the discovery of hackable flaws to their national vulnerability database within 48 hours of their discovery before a patch is available. The new law comes with a host of restrictions on what security researchers can say about the flaws they discover, likely leading to a secret stockpile of zero days that the China Ministry of State Security uh, has on its hand which can then they can carry out internationally the zero-day stockpiling has led to an uptick in the amount of chinese use of zero-day vulnerabilities to get into u.s critical infrastructure this is according to morgan adamski the director of nsa Cybersecurity collaboration center it's urging the industry to collaborate on her agency with her agency on china warned that the prc has significant resources the u.s government has come out and said that there are resources that number the u.s and that all of our and all of our allies combined when you have 1.3 billion people and you're, I mean, stated targets, right? We know what China's goal is. They are want to replace the U.S. as a global superpower, and they want to do so economically, meaning they're not trying to go to war. 
they realize that they probably won't win that war. Um, and so what they're trying to do is economically cripple the U.S. to a point where it's so far in debt it can't afford a war, and as such it becomes a diplomatic surrender of sorts. And they're using that by really stockpiling and seeing the future, and that's what Xi Jinping is 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 doing. And you know, he's in San Francisco this week, um, so there's that as well at our tech capital. All these country, all these companies want to work in China, but there's got to be a point where we have to say, well, if you do that there, and your national security on our end, and you support our critical infrastructure, maybe we can't have you do business with us or that software can't be the same on their end russia continues with destructive attacks on the ukraine and again what all of this means is all of these attacks at some point these guns are going to point towards companies towards our organizations right i said wiper malware will be a thing next year and it will be because what china's what russia's done in ukraine is use a whole bunch of wiper malware and now we're seeing it on the battlefield in israel with Iranian and Palestinian sympathizers, Hamas sympathizers, not really Palestinian, using wiper malware, trying to target Israeli organizations. So this is eventually going to become a, I'm going to wipe your company, I'm going to wipe your data if you don't pay me X amount of dollars. And that changes the name of ransomware, that changes the game. And they're looking to do that because as we get better at defending against ransomware, they're going to get more destructive in the way they do these cyber attacks in order to get paid when they're financially motivated. And Israel's is the latest nation to get swept up in war-related threat actors. Obviously, on October 7th, the worst attack on the Jewish people since the end of World War II took place by the evil Hamas organizations, killing around 1,400 Israelis of all races, genders, and uh, uh, religions. Uh, there's uh, uh, Muslim Bedouins who were killed and kidnapped. There were uh, uh, Jews, secular and religious, who were killed and kidnapped. Women, elderly, children, babies, irregardless. The demoralization here is significant with the disinformation war that's really going on. And we see that on a lot of social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and so many other ones. The amount of uh, disinformation and misinformation is absolutely unbelievable. Um, and so, a lot of this is now being seen as targeting the uh, uh, Israelis and trying to disrupt the economy even more. Obviously, the economy in the northern part of Israel and the southern part of Israel that wraps around the Gaza Strip has been paralyzed since October 7th. Those folks are not working. Um, obviously, a lot of people are in reserves, meaning companies have a reduced workforce, right? Some of the companies that are in our industry significantly have a lot of people that have been called up to reserves and are out there fighting uh, in this war. And as such, these companies have a lower and there's, there's an economic uh, issue. There's an economic challenge going on there. And so Iran and their proxies are trying to take advantage of that as well. So there's uh, again, there's that on that. end, And finally a great story on the record. We won't have time to get into it today. But clearing the information fog in Israel and Gaza, a story about Hadass Calderon, whose son, Erez, uh, has been kidnapped to Israel and how essentially the entire community in Israel came around to help identify the people that are kidnapped and missing uh, in order to support the government's effort in identifying what was going on 
through the drove of social media information that was leaked out by Hamas on the days of October 7th, 8th, and 9th, uh, as we saw many Israelis being taken into Gaza. And so a great, great story, by the way, about how people just come together and how community is really, really valuable. So go check that out. That's in the show notes. It's a great, great read for all of y'all this Monday morning. That's it for our show. We'll be back with a whole lot more tomorrow, 9 a.m. right here live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Catch us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Until then, great rest of your day. And most importantly, stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.